Chapel in Richmond. Love you guys. Hey, high five somebody and you can be seated. High five somebody and you can be seated. Well, we're in a series on next, and I'll tell you a little bit about that in just a second. But I love to look in the camera at the back of the room and say good morning to the chapel in Richmond, Scott's Edition. Love you guys. And of course, the men and women in Chesterfield County Jail. Love you. And Virginia Department of Corrections. We love you. You're not a project to us. You're our people. And we're so excited about what God's doing in different places around our city. I add my welcome to the one that's already been given. Honored to have you. And uh, just two quick things before we dive into the message. Let me just remind you that Easter is in two weeks. Come on, get your keister to Easter, and uh, and uh, we've added some new times, uh, Friday, Saturday night, both campuses, Sunday, and then Midlothian, 1015 Swift Creek uh, a Middle School, and all our normal service times, so that there's plenty of space. We feel like nobody will have to be in the lobby, okay? And uh, so, uh, by the way, good morning, lobby. We love you guys. Thanks for being out there. And uh, But so we think we've added enough times and spaces and locations uh, to make space for everybody that weekend, so uh, be prayerfully thinking about who you can invite. And then we take this little card today is uh, Commitment Sunday, and so if you're just new here, I want to explain this little card for you. One One year ago, uh, in April, we started a two-year ministry plan called Next. Somebody say Next. Next. And it's where God was leading us to as a church. And and so a bunch of us made a two-year commitment uh, to make space to disciple more people and not have to cut off VBS signups and and not have to have people in the lobby and not have to, you know, and not have to, to, to be able to disciple more students and reach more kids and make space for what God's doing and prepare for future Scott's edition, expansion, campuses, all that. And we called it next. And so, so many of us made a commitment. And at the end of our time together today, uh, all of us that made that commitment are just going to, we're not asking for anything more. We're just going to affirm that commitment and turn these in. But we also know a bunch of people God's led to the church in the last year, and uh, or maybe you weren't part of that first commitment, and today you want to jump in. It's the perfect time because it's halfway through the journey, and uh, so you can jump in. So it'll be 12 months from today, and it's just to make space for all that God's doing. We're in the final stages of permitting. That means that steel's coming and, 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 and foundation and all that kind of stuff you're going to see for Midlothian expansion. And uh, we really want to enter into this next year strong. And so we're going to do that at the end of the service. But I know some people are like, "Am I making if you'd made that last year, you're just affirming it. And then a bunch of us are going to jump in that are newer to the church and, and commit to this. And we'll do that at the end together. So I just wanted to let you know about that. Well, when I was thinking about um, what sermon to preach on a huge day like this, which is us really praying about our future as a church, I was reminded of the first sermon I ever preached. I was 15 years old. How many of that sounds like a bad idea for a preacher to invite a 15-year-old. And my home church had launched this church in the city of Syracuse, and, and, and they didn't have a pastor, and so my pastor sent me, and, uh, and, and there were eight people on a Sunday morning. And so I remember I preached my first sermon, and I, I wanted to preach the same text today that I preached my first sermon, Psalm 139. I prepared a 40-minute sermon that day for my first sermon ever, and I was able to skillfully deliver it in seven and a half minutes. And I was like, oh, no. And now what do I do? And so I did what preachers do. I said, really feel like we're supposed to pray for people now. 
I don't know if you know this. When preachers don't know what to do, they just pray. You know, they're like, I don't know. And so I just start praying for people. And uh, in fact, I wish I, one day I hope to meet some of the eight people that were there that day because they came up to me at the end of the sermon and said, that was like so good, so amazing, so incredible. And I'm telling you, it was so bad, so not, so... And I, I walked, I remember walking to the car, Katie and I were dating, she had just started dating me, and uh, she was driving, I didn't have my license yet, because I was dating an older woman, and uh, uh, I remember saying to her, how many great preachers do you think there are in America? And she said, one less than you think there are. <laughs> Actually, that last part didn't happen, I just made it up, but... Um, but I want to preach for you today the message that I, that I preach when I'm 15 years old. These words hit me about the creator God. I love these words. Probably one of the heights in all of scripture, Psalm 139. And it describes God who created us in our inmost being. That he knit us together in our mother's womb. How many know God is the creator of life? Even, even I mean, think about this. When you're in your mom's tummy, God was the one making you, Okay. That's what the psalmist said. And he says, I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. You want to know who am I today? Where do I come from? Do I have a future? And I know our culture is shouting that, that everything in life is accidental and random and there is no purpose. But that flies right in the face of God's word that says there is a God who created us and there is a purposefulness to our lives. And it says, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you I, when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. Do you know before there were ultrasounds, God could look in there and see what was going on? I mean, I know we, we have new technology. Have you seen the new ultrasounds? They're crazy. I mean, the old ones used to just tell you if it was a boy or a girl. Now you're like, that baby's cute. He looks like the, you know, like it's crazy. And, uh, but how many know God's always known what was going on in there? Because he's the one who made it all. And, uh, and that's what the psalmist is saying. Your eyes saw my unformed body. And not only are you the creator, God, but because of that, all the days ordained for me were written in your book. Meaning because you made me, God, then you also made me, not only as the creator, you made me with a sense of purpose. And all the days were written in your book before one of them came to be. So I want to give us this thought this weekend, chapel. I really believe this. God put it on my heart that we were made as a church for this moment okay you were put in this city in this community in this season in this time for a reason i was put in this community in this season in this time for a reason god has divine opportunity he's determined the portions the time the 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 the, the area we live in for us to live for his glory and our good and to make a difference in our city how many believe that today right like it's not random it's not coincidental it's not maybe it's not i don't know but that god has something great for us. And that's what we want to look at today. And I'm going to show you three things all from Psalm 139. I'm going to preach the first sermon I ever preached better today. Okay. I better be better. You know what I mean? Uh, it won't be seven and a half minutes, but, uh, but I want to give you three things that I think this chapter tells us. And it really is kind of about what next is about what this vision is about. And the first thing is, it's really about the greatness of God. We, we have a great God. I mean, maybe that's uh, uh, obvious, <laughs> but, but I think we live in a world that, that can discount God or quickly in the Bible Belt maybe just appease God, but we serve, hey, hey, we serve a great God. 
And Psalm 139 declares his greatness. Let me show you how the chapter begins. You have searched me, O Lord, and know me. Do you know God knows when I sit and when I rise? Do you know God perceive my thoughts from afar? You discern my going out, my lying down. You're familiar with all my ways. Think of this. Before a word is on my tongue, Lord, you know it completely. You, you, you hem me in behind him before you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Let me show you the greatness of God. That's what the psalmist starts. Uh, it starts with declaring the greatness of God. The first thing he tells us right here, I want you to see it as he knows what I think. You perceive my thoughts from afar. Do you know God knows what you're thinking? Dun, dun, dun. You think it, he knows it. <laughs> He, he, he could read your mind, okay? Even when you think of something, the Bible says God knows it. In fact, the theological word for this is omniscient, okay? Come on, omniscient. Let's say that together. Um, that means God knows who's going to win the football game. That mean, it means God knows where you're going to lunch. That means God knows everything. That means God never goes in heaven. Huh. I didn't know that. That means sometimes when we pray in God's direction and give him the way to fix things, God's never up in heaven like, thank you so much for helping me fix that. God knows everything, end from the beginning, beginning from end, all the ins and outs of our life. It's a comfort to know that our God knows everything. He knows what I think. Not only does he know what I think, he knows where I go. He discerns our going out, our coming down. God knows where we go. God knows what we think. God knows where we go. This is kind of scary. He knows before I know. (laughs) So before you know what you're going to say, God knows what you're going to say before you know what you know you're going to say. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. How many of you have um, foot-in-mouth disease? Come on. How many of you are sitting next to somebody who has it? Come on, right? Here we go. Like, do you know God? Know, even when we don't know what we're going to say, God knows it. Before, the Bible says, before a word is even on our tongue, God knows it completely. Before we think something, he knows it. Before he goes somewhere, we go somewhere, he knows it. Before we're about to say something, he knows it. Not only that, he even knows what we need. He hems us in behind a board. I mean, the psalmist is trying to plumb the depths of just reminding us how great our God is. This past year, we had, our, had a women's night in the church. Anybody remember the women's night? It was an incredible night. And, uh, and in fact, we're going to do two of them this next year because there were too many for one night. But the, the, every room was full in the church. And it happened to be, man, I just want to give it up to our parking team because it happened to be maybe the hardest night to park people ever. And uh, it's because it was raining and a lot of people, what? Uh, a lot of people were parking. We were parking everywhere on the mud. In fact, can we give it up for the parking team here tonight? Let's, I mean, like, I'm, so they're parking. They're parking women everywhere. I mean, in every part of grass and everything. And I'm watching some of the women get out of their cars, and their nice shoes are hitting the mud. And you know, I'm like, oh my word. And we were having dinner a couple weeks ago with a great uh, couple from our church, and she was telling the story of getting back in her car after women's night, and she got stuck in the mud. We had parked her in a, in a spot that uh, the rain so hard that night, she couldn't get out. And so she calls her husband on the phone, and he says to her, have you put it, she says, I can't get, I can't get the car out. It's, the wheels are spinning. And he says, have you put it in four-wheel drive? And she says, no, that's a good idea. And so she puts it in four-wheel drive and backs right out. And so as she's telling me this story, he's sitting here with the biggest smile ever, like, 
And her whole point was, sometimes you even forget the power you have. That's why I'm starting with the greatness of God, because I'm convinced the problem isn't that God is not great and that we don't have access to power, but that, that we've, we've bought into a Christianity that is lifeless, powerless, meager. I'm here to remind you, we don't need more from God. We have all available through Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. We just have to be... I'm just trying to remind us today. I'm just trying to remind us today that God is great because I'm meeting too many Christians discouraged by the world. Things are bad. Nothing will ever change. We should all be be miserable. And and I just want to remind you, Jesus is still on the throne. He still has a plan and purpose. He's in charge of it all, right? In fact, the, the psalmist says he hems me in behind him before. The word there, hem, means to enclose, to guard something that's valuable, meaning God literally protects us. That because we're his children, he protects us and he guards us and he guides us on every side. And I'm reminding you today, I'm reminding all of us today, God is great. Next is a response to the fact that God is great. We need to be a church that gathers to worship a great God. God is great. He's big. He's omniscient. He knows all things. He's omnipotent. He has all power. He's omnipresent. He's already there. Meaning if you walk in this room, he's here. When you walk out, he's there. When you walk in this place, he's there. When you walk in, when you, when you, when you, when you, when you, when you walk to get Mexican for lunch, he's there. When you walk to get, he's there. He's, he, I mean, no, he, I mean, no, God is all powerful, right? That's what the psalmist is saying. Wherever I go, he's there. Whatever I think he knows. Wherever I'm headed, he's, he, get, he just gets it all together. He's hemmed me in behind and before. He's protecting me in every way. And so he's reminding us of the greatness of God. But then he reminds us not of the, just of the greatness of God out there, but the greatness of God in here. He reminds us that God is the one who created us. That God is the one who knit us together in our mother's womb. Now, these are important verses in the scripture because they talk about life being something that God creates. And let me just say this this weekend. I think I want to remind us, there, there are no, there's no such thing as an accidental child in the kingdom of God. There might be accidental parents, but there are no accidental children. Every child is given as a gift of God. And we, you just need to know this about our church. We believe that children are a gift when they're in the outside of the world, but we believe children are a gift in the womb of a mother. That, that we, believe, we believe, hey, just around here, we believe that from the womb to the tomb, right? That God gives life, and, and it's amazing. And he says, in fact, he talks about the wonder of it, how God, like a seamstress, God knits together the, 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 um, the being of the person in the womb. And he says, I'm going to praise God because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Do you know the Christian faith alone answers the question, who am I? And where did I come from? And where am I heading? And is there meaning in life? And if we buy into the lie of the culture around us that everything is just random, then we live with no purpose. Because if we're all just the random result of a collision of molecules, then there's no purpose, there's no plan, there's no, we might as well drive out in the parking lot, back into the car behind us, who cares, drive away, you know, like shut this whole thing down and go eat brunch. But, but if there is a creator, God, behind it all, then we can know who am I and where am I headed and what is my purpose and what does God have for me? And that's what the psalmist says. I praise you. So next is not only a response to the greatness of God. Just write this down. Next is a, next is a response to God's design in our life, okay? He says, I was knit together in my mother's womb. The word knit together in verse 13, in the book of Exodus, that Hebrew word is translated embroidered. (laughs) This is God showing off when he made you. 
You say, Pastor, I don't like, I don't like, I wish I was, I wish I looked different in this area, or I wish I was taller, I wish I was shorter, I wish I was thinner, I wish I was fatter. Not probably not, but <laughs> I wish I wish I was I wish I was I wish I was I just want to say this, you are made the way you are because God made you the way you are. He you're fearfully and wonderfully made. Come on. <laughs> Well, Katie has this mirror in our bathroom. It's got one side that's normal, and you spin it around, and it comes in on you. And every once in a while, she'll leave that side up, and I'll walk into the bathroom, and I just, and I'll, and I'll turn to the side, and I'll walk around the side of it, and I'll just spin it the other way, because ain't nobody need to see that much of me, you know, blown up. And probably all of us have known what it's like to say, I'm not sure how I, li- I like this about me. I'm not sure I like this about me. But I'm just here reminding you that God created you just the way you are and that God is the giver of good life. Eugene Peterson said it this way, in the presence of birth, we don't calculate, we marvel. There's nothing like being seeing a new life brought into this world. I will never forget when our firstborn daughter, when Hallie came into the world, that you walk into the hospital, husband and wife, and you walk out and they let this person come with you. I'm like, what do I do now? You take her home. When, how, forever? In fact, I remember getting in the car like, wow, I'm going to have to, this is like a lot. You don't take her back. She's just going to be here like every day. Like the next morning, I'm like, she's still here, you know? And I'm just telling you, I'm telling you, there's something about the miracle of life. There's something after, after the agony of pain, which is another story. But I, I, remember, I, remember after the, I, I remember how difficult labor was for me, those 13 hours with Hallie. But I remember at the end of it all, this new little life comes and you're just, you're just, you don't have it words to describe the miracle that is God, the miracle that is life, the miracle of like not having something. And then there is something, the miracle of life, right? And I love that, that Eugene Peterson just reminds us God is the creator. God is the one that makes things. And he literally tells us God's the one who saw our unformed body. And because, because catch this, because God creates us, and he's the designer of us, then that means he's not only created us, but he's created days for us and purpose for us and plans for us. I want you to see the connection I'm trying to make today. If God created us, then he created us for a purpose. If there's no creator, if everything is random, then there's no purpose. But if there's a cause behind all the creation, then there's a God who has, or you could kind of put it this way, that God designed me, but he also determined my days, right? So that's what the psalmist says, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Do you know the day of your birth and the day of your death were decided before you came into the world? That should give a comfort to us. The day of our death has already been decided. Now, I'm not saying you couldn't do something stupid and you know, like if you drive 150 miles an hour, I'm pretty sure the angels jump out then. You know what I mean? You're, I'm, not, I'm not saying you'd be crazy on this whole thing. I'm just saying, uh, I love how Augustine put it, I'm immortal until my work on earth is done, right? I mean, you can see it throughout the book of Job. Job said a person's days are determined. He's decreed, God has decreed the number of months and set the limits that we cannot exceed, meaning God has our life in our hands. The beginning date, the end date, all the dates in between that we are literally in the sovereign hand of God. I'm so encouraged this weekend for, with a God, Psalm 139, who's not only created me but sustains me me and has a book with all the days that I'm going to live in it, right? 
And not only that, he has, because of that, he has a purpose on our life and a plan on our life and a calling on our life. In fact, the Bible says that God called, like, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul to the work to which I've called them. Meaning, here's what they're saying. There's a calling on our life to do some things for God. So not only are we created by God, if we believe, catch this chapel, that we're created by God, then we have a destiny and days and opportunities and ministries he's called us to. So if he's the creator, then he's also the purposeful one. Here's what I'm trying to say. God put us in this season, in this location, in this portion of our city for this season to make a difference. I'll never forget, I mean, what the things God's done in the last... We, we moved here 12 years ago, and uh, we didn't have buildings like this. We didn't have spaces like Scott's Edition. We had a little building in the fan called... Uh, it was called the chapel, this little white building. How many have ever been to the building in the fan? Come on, raise your hand, Scott's Edition, if you've been there. All right, 12 of us. So let me tell you about it. It had this little, little upstairs. The foyer was the size of a throw rug. And I know that because we got a throw rug that covered the entire foyer. And, and we had a lower level. We called it a lower level, but, you know, it was a basement. And you can call it a lower level, but it's still a basement. And we, we rented the National Theater. I'll never forget that. And uh, I'll never forget um, one Sunday after church. We had church in the morning, and then at night, Snoop Dogg uh, had a concert. And I, I was my, one of my proudest pastor days. I was like, I shared the stage today with Snoop Dogg. I mean, I know there's a few hours gap, but, you know, let me dream, you know. And uh, I remember that, I remember, I remember pulling up first time we came to the chapel at the National Theater and the sign on the door said, you know, no crowd surfing. I was like, all right, no crowd surfing in church. It was the only church you go to the bathroom and it would say, you know, don't, you cannot bring alcohol into the bathroom, Right. I mean, you're like, really? And, and the bands would come and unload, and you'd see them on the side of the, because of, the unload was right on the side of the platform, and I'd be preaching, and I could see them starting to pull their trucks in, getting ready to unload for a show that night. And I would oftentimes think, as they were waiting for us to get off the stage, maybe God's going to use this sermon to change their life. So I'd preach just a little longer <laughs> to stick it to them. You know what I mean? Like... And I'll never forget, man, the sound man. He was awesome, but he would sometimes, we, we would talk to him because he went, came with the national and he would sometimes drop the F word. And uh, so we'd say, you know, hey, um, so we're not like a super legalistic church, but um, we're trying not to use the F word a lot <laughs> during the singing. Uh, so he'd be like, all right, I'll try my best. And he'd just let it fly anyways, you know. You, you'd, you, some weeks the, the floor would be clean and some weeks, you remember this a lot in Scott's edition, we'll remember, that some weeks they'd have a huge uh, concert the night before and the beer, you'd just feel the sticky floor, just stick, sticky, 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 sticky. We, we had these televisions that we would show the lyrics for and the setup team had to drive them, uh, walk them down a spiral staircase and they would bang and destroy them. Every, every two weeks they would just break these TVs. You remember that? And we didn't have any money as a young church and I'd be like, stop breaking the TVs. And I'm just telling you, it was set up, tear down. We lost our parking lot because of the Lincoln movie. I mean, how do you remember that? I'll never forget my worst moment at the National Theater was Christmas Eve. And we rented the, this parking. I'm sorry, and then I'm done with this. Uh, it's just personal therapy. Uh, last service I'm unloading here. Uh, 
we dismissed for Christmas Eve. Amen. What a beautiful candlelight service. And the guy, we had rented the parking deck, and the guy who let everyone out, with the, with the, we had arranged, we prepaid for the parking deck so that they could raise the, what do you call it, the arm and let everyone out. But he was taking them one ticket at a time. And it was taking two hours. This is Christmas Eve. And I'm their pastor, and everyone's like, I despise you. You know what I mean? Because we're stuck in a parking garage for hours. And I'm telling him, we paid for this parking garage. He's like, I have to do it every time. And I'm like, no, you don't. We paid for it. Just put it up. Put it up. And he's like, you seem upset for a pastor. I was like, oh, you ain't seen nothing yet. You're going to meet the Lord in a minute if you don't put that parking thing up. You know, what kind of church are you? I'm about to show you what kind of church I am right now. Because they're going to move me out of this city. So, so I'm, I got guy three cars back. He's going to drive through this thing. If you put that down again, I've given him, like, this guy is saved, but he just got saved last week, and he ain't that saved. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm telling you, in every season, and every up and down, but I'm telling you what, even though we're building a building in this season, I'm just telling you, it was never about buildings. It was the people of God and the presence of God under the power of God in the authority of God's word for God in that season to build his church, right? And, and this is the season for us. This is the season through every iteration. In fact, in fact, the, the scriptures tell us from one man, God made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And look at this. And God marked out the appointed times that we should live. And he marked out the boundaries of our lands. Meaning God chose for us to live here, live now in this season. Here's, I would just say it this way, chapel, that this moment and season for our church has been pre-appointed and predetermined by the Lord. What he's called us to is not, next is not us trying to get God to do something for us. It's us trying to just be faithful in the time and place he's put us. It's, it's us realizing that God didn't just create us for days. He created days for us. And we're just trying to be faithful where God's put us in the, in the place that we are right now, in all of our imperfections, to just be faithful, to live out this thing called faith, to act to say, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Would you do in our day and in our season, what only you can do. Could somebody say amen to that, right? Like that's what we're going for. And so the author literally says, he says, you created me, you created days for me, you created destiny for me, and he breaks out with this phrase, and I praise you, because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Next is a reminder of the greatness of God. Next is a reminder that God created us for a purpose. Here's the last thought, and here it is. Next is our only response is worship. Next is our only response is worship. And he literally declares, I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I want to read to you a couple of scriptures. And I, want, I wonder if we could do something today. Uh, after each scripture, if I could get a Baptist amen, that would be great. Not a Presbyterian Amen. I just want to bat. Let's practice. Ready? One, two, three. Amen. Oh man, that's a Pentecostal amen. I don't even. Need, I, I don't even need all that. But uh, I, just, I, I read those phrases. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderful. Meaning, he's seen all that God has done in His greatness, that He knows everything, and sees what God's done in His own creation and ordained Him. And He just breaks out. I praise you. And it got me thinking of all the scriptures about praise. Psalm 63, because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. And I'll praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I'll lift up my hands. 
That's good. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him and he helps me. My heart leaps for joy and with my song I praise him. Praise the Lord, my soul, and all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. I'll give thanks to you, Lord, with all my heart. I'll tell of your wonderful deeds. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? I know it's it's pollen season, but put your hope in God. For I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know that full well. My mouth is filled with your praise, declaring your splendor all day long. I'll extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea. This is in heaven. And all that is in them saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Let the message of Christ dwell richly among you as you teach and admonish one another. In all wisdom, with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And we said, amen. Give praise to the Lord. Proclaim his name. Make known among the nations what he has done. Amen. I love Philippians 4. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. I only have a few more. Come on. It is written, Paul said, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before him and every tongue will acknowledge God. Amen. Heal me, Lord, and I'll be healed. Save me, and I'll be saved. For you are the one I praise, Jeremiah said. Amen. In that day you will say, give praise to the Lord, proclaim his name, make known among the nations what he has done, and proclaim that his name is exalted, Isaiah said. Amen. I'll praise you, Lord, among the nations. I'll sing among you among the people, Psalm 103. Amen. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people in the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved amen in god whom i praise in god i trust and i'm not afraid what can mere mortals do to me amen come on two more i cried to him with my mouth his praise was on my tongue amen and paul in ephesians 1 praise be to the god and father of our lord jesus christ who blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing i'm just saying praise is book to book cover to cover the calling of god for the believer who's taken of the salvation of the Lord comes a I praise you God it was um, at my wedding reception that my father-in-law had a surprise for Katie and I and he came up and took the microphone and we did not know he would do this and his best friend Rick was behind him with an acoustic guitar and we were like what and my father-in-law was not a singer he, he still isn't and uh but he would make up little songs on vacations, little joke songs. And I thought, he, won't, he wouldn't do this here. 
on a sacred day, you know. Now that he handed his wife, his daughter off, not his daughter off to me, and uh, but but he had a special uh, surprise for us, and um, he said, Brandon, Katie, I love you guys, and I prepared a song for you today, and he would, it was an acronym song, so it worked through the first letters of our name, and so he started Katie, K is for the kind, and he and he sings this whole prepared song, and he. First name, middle name, last name of both of us. It was truly memorable. <laughs> At the end, everyone applauded, and I just, out of uh, sheer awkwardness, and he came to me after. I'll never forget what he said. He said, you know, there are occasions in life that are so great, words won't do. You just have to sing. And I said, well, that is one way to describe what you just did. <laughs> I'm just telling you, in Scripture, there are times that words won't do. And times words won't do is when our hearts really capture the awe and the great. Oh, Lord, when I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hands have made. I see the sun and the stars. I hear the rolling thunder. I proclaim your... There are times in life... Have you ever just seen something that it wasn't enough to say it? You had to sing it? Come on. Anybody ever seen when the, when the, the sun lights up the sky and it's brilliant colors and you think, wow, it's something to God. Or seen when the, when the ocean slaps the, the, the shore and you think there's a God. Or you see the mountains and they're just incredible. Or the perfectly cooked burrito. Come on, somebody. It's time to shout out praise to God, you know. Here's all I'm saying to you today. The psalmist, as he's writing out, he's just writing out his story of what God's done. You created me. You knit me together. And then he says, I'm in a moment where I'm just going to praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Somebody here today needed to hear you are no accident to God. He made you exactly the way he wanted you to be for the purpose, the plan, the calling, and the season that you're in. And you need to just flat out embrace who God's made you to be, you know. And, and, and God has a purpose and a destiny and, a, and days for you. And uh, when we realize that, we just break out in song because God does all things good, right? And Hey, we're not trying to build a building around here. We're trying to build a house of worship that would reverberate the sound of heaven. I had a musician teach me one phrase, syncopatic resonance, which is what happens when you hit a note on a piano and the one uh, string creates a note and all the strings reverberate on the same pit. Do you kind of understand what I'm saying? I might, I might be explaining it bad, but it's like you strike that, the hammer strikes that one that one string and all of the strings dance they, they syncopate they sync up with the that's all worship is is us joining with with creation with the trees of the field the, the, the mountains the hills the Bible says the hills clap there it's just a people that say I hear the praise that only my God is due and I'm going to lift worship and praise and adoration to him anybody believe that today right our God is great and he's powerful and he's mighty yeah awesome Awesome. Hey, would you do me a favor? Would you take this card in your hand right now? We want to just take a moment and we're going to do this. This is the, this um, next week is going to be the start of uh, the second year, the 
we're 12 months in, start it next month, our year two of what we're calling next. And so many of us have made commitments. And today, a lot of us have already made a commitment. We're just going to click on that little box that says affirm. And basically, all we're saying today, you don't even have to just, I'm affirming. I'm going to fold it over. I'm going to drop it. I'm just saying, hey, what we started 12 months ago, I'm going to finish at 24 months. And and yet we thought it's huge and important at the halfway point to invite some of you that are that are maybe didn't jump in at the first part last year or you're newer to the church and you say, man, I want to get in on what God's doing in the life of our church. And so you say, I want to join in with us. And it's been fun to see over the last um, year, our students did this and, you know, our finance team reports back to me, students that are making commitments and do you know we have a bunch of students committing to monthly giving, $15, $12, $20? Man, we are proud of our students. Aren't we, Chapel? Proud of our students. Incredible. So the goal today the goal today is not some special number. The number that we're going for is 100% participation. Just all of us who call this church our home saying, I want to be a part of what God's doing. So would you just take that pen and take that card? I'll give you a second. We've been talking about this this month, but today's a day for us to move. And all you're saying is in the next 12 months, I want to jump into the journey called Next to this ministry plan to make more disciples and create more space and see ministry done in a way that positions our church for the future. So I want to give you a second to just look at that front side of that card. And if you made that commitment last year, you're just clicking affirm. If God puts it on your heart, there's an increase there. But I think a lot of us here today are newer or or weren't able to jump in. And today we're going to say, I'm going to join. And uh, here's what I'm going to do. I'll just give you a second. Would you bow your heads all over this room and just give you a second with that card? And then I'm going to pray for us. I want to just give you a second. Jesus, thank you for this amazing church and their incredible love for you and for one another. And Thank you that you've put us in this place at this time. We accept the calling of God on our lives to sovereignly be right here, right now. So God, we want to participate in this sovereign moment and opportunity. And so God, some of us are taking uh, stretches steps of faith and generosity we haven't done before so would you help us to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness and trust you as the provider thank you for the amazing people of this church God bless them in every way I pray in Jesus name everybody said together amen so when you fill that little card out will you do me a favor once you've uh, filled out the, that one side of it. We just fold it over in half like this for me. And then what we're going to do here today, we thought it'd be appropriate. Uh, we don't ever end like this, but as an act of worship to just take these cards, fold it over and just drop them. We have uh, two boxes on this side and then two boxes on this side. You just fold that card over and uh, we drop it right in um, in these boxes. If you're in the lobby, you can come right in too. We'll, we'll, we'll wait for everybody and our worship team's going to help us just sing and then once we put these cards in here, we'll return to our seats and I'll, I'll close us in prayer in, uh, in just a minute. Can we stand together all over this room? Would you fold that card in half? Would you just join me? Come into these boxes and drop in these cards in these boxes and let's sing and let's worship as well.